as we continue our quest to put our mental, emotional, and spiritual well-being a top priority, today we are joined by someone who is passionate about helping you take that leap of faith from the burnt-out, short-fused overachiever to someone who belly laughs again with friends and family, who knows answers emerge in the pause, and you need that pause as a way to hope. Ladies and gentlemen, it is such an honor to be speaking with lawyer, podcaster, writer, and speaker, Lauren Abrams. Lauren, thank you so much once again for gracing us with your presence today. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Lauren, first of all, you know, I'm a huge fan of 52 Weeks of Hope podcast. Considering your your vast background and your experiences, you created a 52 Weeks of Hope podcast. And it's a podcast where you hear from thought leaders, from elders and other visionaries who share their journeys through difficulties. And basically, you help us navigate through life. What inspired you to create 52 Weeks of Hope? Well, it comes from my own dark night of the soul. I mean, nobody goes through this life unscathed. We all go through it. And the only way through is through. And it's, it's like, if you hold on for those next few minutes, sometimes like that's all it takes just to, just to get through. And when I got through mine, I was like, what the hell was that? <laughs> because it's, I'm always so grateful. I was a single mom raising my kids. I had a hundred percent custody. And when I got through it, I was like, what the hell was that? And then I went through, why are we here? What's it all about? That kind of a, you know, I call it an existential crisis or whatever it was. And I thought, they say nobody on their deathbed ever wished they worked harder or made more money. So I thought, I'm going to go and ask a much older demographic, what have you gleaned from living life? Like, what have you learned? I need to know. Just for me, um, there was no podcast, no book. Like, I just needed to know. And I thought, I'm going to ask a person a week for a year just that question. Um, because I'm working hard, raising my kids. I have my law practice, all this stuff. And I also give back. I'm of service a lot to my community. So I started doing that. And people would reveal really personal information to me. And it was deep and it was rich. I'd go home and I'd write it up in my own verbiage, kind of funny. And sometimes I'd send it to my best friend, not making fun of them funny or anything like that, just write up what I, they had told me. And after about two and a half months, I was like, it was the information was so rich and so good. And I started to notice similar just similarities in what I was being told. And I thought, I need to share this information. I thought I'd write one of those books where you open it up randomly and you're like, this is just what I need to hear and uh, call it 52 Weeks of Hope. And then we went on lockdown from the pandemic and I just started podcasting. And then I wasn't confined to Los Angeles. I could talk to people anywhere. And I've just never stopped. I'm almost 200 weeks straight. And I feel like I'm getting as much of an education as anybody I'm. And in fact, I, I, this is my little fun fact. After the first 52 weeks, because I ask everybody at the end, is there a message of hope you want to give? And I took the first 52 weeks messages of hope and I compiled them into eight overarching themes and I called it the meaning of life. And I thought, I now know the meaning of life. I know why we're here. <laughs> so that's how 52 weeks of hope came about. That is truly, truly amazing, Lauren. And of course, you know, when you say meaning of life, uh, a lot of people up until now, it's, it's a continuous process, I believe. And up until now, even when you're 40 or 50 or 60, we always try to, you know, seek for the meaning of life. Uh, because at the end of the day, we want to be able to 
improve and self-improvement is a journey. You know, there's a lot of process to it. Sometimes you don't know exactly where to start. So in terms of the self-improvement journey, how do we succeed? Where do we start? What do we ask ourselves first? I think the first question to ask yourself, and that's where the pause comes in. I've been on this thing about the pause for the last few months, which is what you started the podcast with, where taking that breath, it doesn't have to be hours at a time. Just take five minutes out of your day and just breathe um, because answers do emerge in the pause. And if you close your eyes and think, who do I like to be around that lights me up when I see them? That's, That's a question to ask yourself. What do you do that brings you joy? That's, you don't need to keep like doing all these coaching programs or buying all these different, if you just really just start journaling and put at the top of the page, what brings me, what makes me happy? What is it that, um, that I love to do if you can't like think of it in the moment, but really, if you close your eyes and you think, what do I, what brings me joy? That's the question. What brings me joy? You know, what brings you joy? You know, what lights you up? You know who you love being around. It really is that simple. Um, and just starting from that point and maybe you can't do it all the time, but instead of everything being a drudgery, just doing those things that light you up and really journaling and meditation are the two, to me, the two easiest and quickest ways to get to those answers. But they're also, it's not like, to me, I compare it to like um, exercise. I wish I could do them all the time. And like, it's a lot easier to eat sugar. <laughs> like, but really um, just journaling for, just write a paragraph doesn't have to be a really long thing. And handwrite. Handwriting is straight from the heart is what I was taught instead of on a keyboard. That's how you get to your truth. Definitely. I do love writing as well. I mean, with the influx of technology and cell phones, I really have not found a way to fall in love with the notes on cell phones. I just do it every time on my journal. But if I may ask, in terms of meditation, what would be the most effective meditation technique you would say? Um, well, I'm a mindfulness meditation teacher, just a loving kindness and doing self-compassion. But really, even if you set a timer for five minutes and just concentrate on the in-breath and the out-breath, the in-breath and the out-breath. And what I found fascinating was how about the space in between the in-breath and the out-breath? Just, I never noticed that space. And just to sit there and just, just do that. Now, and some people have trouble with the breath. Um, so just how about you're noticing your feet on the floor or your tush on, put the tush on a cushion, notice where your tush actually meets the floor, um, and things like that, or noticing the sounds in your environment, just really simple. If five minutes is too long, start with two. And then after a week, increase to three minutes, just incrementally increase. It doesn't have to be. 20 minutes to start. It can be really small amounts. I'm going to have to, I I keep saying I'm going to do a five minute reboot your day, do a video on YouTube. So I'm going to start putting these like short little meditations um, on the 52 Weeks of Hope channel because it's really easy. And one of the best self-compassion techniques I learned, I feel like maybe everyone learned this growing up, but I never did. Putting your hand on your heart and just giving yourself grace to say, no matter what you're feeling, it's okay. It belongs. 
anything like that and just breathing with your hand on your heart, it feels really good. And it's a good self-compassion technique. I never knew it. I didn't grow up learning that stuff. So if that helps anybody, <laughs> do that. Definitely. And I do think, you know, with journaling and meditation, it all comes together with the pause that you mentioned to, to, that leads to hope. And if I may ask for a person like me, I'm, I'd say I am an overachiever. I like to do so many things at once. I just need to keep producing stuff. Oh. So for someone like me, who's always pressured to do that, who's always pressured to, you know, be something out there in the world, how can I calm my mind down? Or what are some techniques you can share to overachievers who basically just cannot stop being busy? That, and that's where meditation comes in. It's so good because you, um, everyone is enough. Everyone is perfect. Everyone has their own unique handprint. And nobody can do what you can do the way you can do it. Um, and it's, I had this great guest, Deborah Hurwitz, who talked about perfectionism and procrastination being the same, the flip side of the same coin, which I, I, I really wrestle with that, but everyone else goes, Oh yeah, definitely. That, that people have to keep going and going, going to do it perfectly. And, um, the whole thing, this is where the pause comes in. This is where breathing comes in and breathing in and saying, and I have to say, this is going to sound like an SNL skit, but I've been doing it for probably over three decades now, looking in the mirror and saying out loud, I love you. I am a worthy person and doing these things out loud. And I can remember when I started, I lived alone and I'm looking around, I'm whispering, making sure nobody could hear me. And I was alone, but like, if, it's just such an odd feeling. But saying I love you to your eyeballs, not looking at your hair or looking around at anything else, but to your eyeballs out loud saying I love you. One day you'll mean it. And you're like, I just mean it. Getting in the car, looking in the rearview mirror, saying I love you. Saying it all the time out loud. I love you. I am a worthy person. And, and knowing that you mean it and knowing that you're enough. I I, I, um, I just interviewed somebody named Scott Stabile. The name of his book is You Are Enough. Isn't that a great title? You Are Enough. I mean, I love this guy. I, just, I feel like I'm just hyping his book everywhere. But he wants you to feel hugged when you read his book. He wants you to feel how loved you are. I was like, this, is, this guy is just so great. But it's true. You are enough. Everyone, you're enough. And... Um, and I, and I just talked to somebody else. I'm telling you, I get as much education from all these other people um, because I was having trouble stopping working. Um, I, I'm like, I'm going to miss something or there's going to be one other thing that I'm not doing. And, and I love it. I love my work because it does fill me with joy. And, um, but I'm also not spending the time in the evening with my husbands, which is what with my husband, not husbands, husband, <laughs> um, which, and I was trying to, and so I actually did a meditation about that particularly. And, um, and I could see it was me being afraid that I was missing something and I'm not, you know, I like, it's not like working that many more hours is going to help me accomplish anything. So just stopping at the end of the day and knowing that I am doing the best I can each day and I'm going to accomplish what I'm supposed to. And just to keep going with what I'm doing and what's in front of me, it'll all get done. Everything gets done the way it's supposed to. And to trust in that. It, it's a matter of trusting the universe also. And uh, yeah, 
So it's a daily practice, all of it. It's all like, I, I feel like for women, especially that the self-esteem, the self-worth, I, I feel like that's a practice that is never going to go away. I'm like, really? When I look at, when I keep looking, going, well, what's underneath this? And one more time, it's self-esteem and self-worth. I'm like, does this ever go away? <laughs> In your own personal experience, because you mentioned a way to hope is, you know, journaling, meditation, there's affirmations as well. In your personal experience, what was the best way or thing that you did or that had the most impact for you to get out of your dark uh, situation before? Okay. So also I, um, I have a community. I have people that, that knew what was going on. So, um, they knew everything going on with me. I don't have secrets. I'm an open book. I, I let anybody know what's going on. So my best friend, she came and sat when it was really, like I was really having, she came and sat in my office with me and she worked from there that day. And, um, I don't hold anything in because all the feelings pass. I was taught that the darkest, darkest feelings, that feelings peak for five in five minutes. So you think of like your the worst crying you've ever done or anything else. I've had guests on that say they peak for seven minutes. I had somebody else who said three minutes, but it's under 10. Okay. You think of the hardest and worst. So if you can hold on for just those few minutes and you try not to go through anything alone, just hold on. It's going to pass. Like who knew? <laughs> Cause when you're in it, you're in it. And, uh, you think it's never going to end, but it is, it actually is. And it's through your darkest times that you get your most growth and something amazing happens. You talk to anyone, I don't care how, how successful they are or the biggest business, they say, oh, it's from my dark time that I got like their greatest growth or greatest thing. It all happens from something really horrible. So they're, and I say horrible, meaning they're darkest, they're dark. I never heard the term dark night of the soul. Somebody gave me that time. I would have just said this time sucked. <laughs> I truly understand. And, you know, you mentioned, you know, you talked to someone, you were an open book. People knew a lot about what was going on. Uh, but for about, how about for those like me who struggled to open up to people, even to my parents, uh, where do we begin with that? Is it important that we actually open it up to someone at some point? Yeah. Um, well, I wouldn't go to my family. I would go, um, I would go to someplace safe. I, I mean, I, I go someplace that's, that's safe, that's going to support me and build me up. It's just like when I say, who fills you with joy? And they say, don't go to the rose, don't go to the hardware store for roses. I, I mean, you want to go where you're going to be buoyed and supported and you're going to be made to feel better. Not, it's just like when you have an idea of something really great you want to do, you don't want to go someplace where they're going to say, why do you want to do that? You're going to go, want to go someplace that somebody says, that's a great idea. Let's see how we can help make that happen. Um, so you definitely want to go to the right people. Um, and, and you find your people. I mean, your vibe attracts your tribe. So, but you have to be careful who you're going to disclose anything to, especially if you're depressed. I, go to a professional. If you don't have anybody that you feel you can trust, go to a professional. Yeah, that's yeah. true. And if I may ask, you know, you speak about the importance of all these things, being able to do or journey through all the difficulties to lead to hope. And you've also mentored others as well. And you speak about the importance of mentoring others. What has this been like for you? 
Oh my gosh. Mentoring is the best thing of all. Okay. So if you don't feel well, go be of service someplace, any place, go feed the homeless, go help anybody less fortunate. You won't want to do it. Like that's my experience. I never want to go do it. A hundred percent of the time you will feel better. A hundred percent. It's not like, oh, sometimes you feel better. Sometimes you don't. A hundred percent of the time you will feel better after you help someone else than when you started. Uh, and I'm in LA in Los Angeles, you hear about the traffic and everything else. Here I was mentoring this girl in downtown LA, far away, um, who she needed help getting college applications done and everything else. It took me hours and hours to get to her and to help her and everything. I always felt better when I left, always. And anyway, it's it doesn't matter what you do. Being of service is, so remember I talked about the messages I received, the eight overarching messages, the meaning of life. The number one is community. We need community. We are not meant to live in isolation. We are meant texting, being on a screen, all of that. It's not the same. We may feel like you and I could talk for two hours after this and just really get into it and have these deep conversations and feel like we're BFFs and everything else. It's not the same as being together and hugging and actually being with each other. So community is important. And it doesn't mean you need 500 people. You could just have a few people. We are meant to physically be together. That's the number one message. And um, the second is service. I mean, love and service are like right up there. So if you're not feeling good, go, go help someone else. Go or just call someone and say, how are you? Maybe that's easier. Not text, call actually call someone and talk to them and ask them how they're doing. There's so many people, especially elderly, who are, who are lonely and stuck and can't get around. So, but they, I can't stress it enough how much better you'll feel helping others. One last question. What is your message of hope to people who are listening right now who may need it at this time? My message of hope is that everything always works out. It might not work out the way you think it's going to, or definitely not on your timetable. At least that's my experience. You may have to pivot, but it works out one way or another. It just does. So hang in there and that God doesn't drive parked cars. You can't sit in a corner wishing that something happens. You need to take energy towards whatever it is that you want. Even if it's 15 minutes towards that dream, just take some kind of an action. Once you start taking action towards whatever it is that you want to do, the universe just kind of rises up to meet you in some way. I don't know how or why that works. It just does. So just hang in there. It does work out and just take some kind of an action towards that dream that you want to do. Definitely. And of course, to all the people listening, if this was as impactful of you, if we were able to get a lot of life lessons in just a span of a few minutes, how much more if you listen to 52 Weeks of Hope? I'm sure it's available on Spotify and YouTube. And Lauren, where else can people reach you? Uh, you could just go to 52weeksofhope.com. And I have to my hat's off to you, the Anxious Visionary Podcast, that you're making these conversations happen. This is such a great platform. So I just give you so much kudos and Grace Tessas for not just having me on, but for having this platform for these conversations. Everyone should go and rate and review and give five star stars to Anxious Visionary Podcast. Thank you so much, Lauren. I really appreciate your time. I'm sure you have a very, very busy schedule, but thank you. Thank you once again. Yeah. It was so nice meeting you.